Hey, everybody. Welcome to this fourth and final edition of the Midtown Creve Hall Advent Podcast. My name is Jeremy. I'm the pastor of Midtown Creve Hall and uh, very excited to be with you today. Uh, this is part of a larger playlist that is designed to help uh, you and yours engage this Advent season well. Uh, you can find all of those playlists on Spotify. And on this kind of fourth week of Advent, what we've been doing over all these four weeks is asking one of our members uh, here at, at Midtown Creve Hall to share how they're living in this tension between these two Advents uh, or these two comings of Jesus. Like the reality that Jesus has come, that he initiated the redemption of the world when he came 2,000 years ago. And we celebrate that as we're moving closer and closer to Christmas Day. But that's where we typically stop uh, as we celebrate Christmas. But the, the beauty of the Advent season is that it calls us into the reality that in the same way that he came once, he will also come again. And as he comes again, he will then bring everything, all of creation, into the beauty and the perfection that we all internally know is real, but at the same time have such difficulty living in that reality in the everyday. So what we're trying to do is have four conversations around that idea of how do you live in the tension uh, between what your heart longs for in perfection and beauty and goodness and truth uh, and the reality that perfection and beauty and goodness and truth does not exist in its fullness here and now in our lives. So we've been reflecting on these four passages in Isaiah, uh, who's this Old Testament prophet who is living in that tension himself. Uh, and today we have Christopher Williams with us, and uh, he is going to be helping us reflect on Isaiah 65. So Christopher, what's up? Hey, hey, thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Thank Bye. you for being here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself. Uh, Christopher Williams has lived in Nashville for, gosh, coming up on 19 years, which is crazy town, mm. and been at Midtown for most of those 19 years, I think 17 of them, um, and then was part of the original plant for uh, Creve Hall, however many years ago that was. Mm. Um, have a beautiful wife, Suzanne, and a, uh, an amazing son, Hudson, who uh, is 12, and uh, I've been playing music for 28 years as my job, which is astounding to really wrap my head around in this day and age, I think, the culture that we find ourselves in, but grateful for the opportunity. And music for me has looked like uh, the early part of my career was chasing kind of the singer-songwriter world and trying to play lots of little folky clubs around the country and traveling all the time. And then uh, after I moved to Nashville, the Lord sort of shifted that a little bit, and, and I think uh, looking forward gave me a strong desire and gift to lead worship and use the skills that I had as a songwriter and as a solo artist uh, to transition those or sort of develop different muscles to, to learn how to lead worship um, with other folks, and, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. So I do a lot of, a lot of everything when I travel. I don't really get to make money unless I leave, unfortunately, but it looks like shows plus opportunities to lead other folks in congregational singing, which I really love. So that's a little bit about myself. Um, mm -hmm. Did that cover everything? It did, and primarily 
who are you working with and for as you hmm. travel? Um, <clears throat> a little bit of everything. I, I'm, I'm a Young Life kid. I grew up in the ministry of Young Life, and so I actually my, I'm a staff spouse because my wife is on staff with Young Life. But separate from that, I do a lot of work with the ministry of Young Life, which is non-denominational youth ministry around the world, and have been, been involved with it enough that um, know a lot of folks, and so I get to do a lot of uh, worship leading and concerts, kind of raising money for them. And so it's, it's yeah, a little bit of everything, but um, all of it is built on relationship, I think, of people that I've known for a long time or have crossed paths with, and mm-hmm. we get to partner together, which is awesome. That's neat. Yeah, one of my favorite things about what I get to do. Well, would you mind reading our passage? No. So this is Isaiah 65, 17 <clears throat> through 25. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the day of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. So this, as sort of the the fourth of four of these podcasts, everything has been pointing in this direction. Isaiah begins with a lot of judgment and a lot of this will happen and a lot of forward-looking. And now he's finally gotten to what exactly that forward-looking is pointing to. Mm. Like the image of this new heavens and this new earth that we all long for, this is this is a glimpse of that reality that will come when Jesus comes back, when all sad realities of our current existing, and you, like you see it in there, mm-hmm. the weeping, war, illness, death will cease. And the fun thing, too, is that this isn't isolated to the book of Isaiah. There, there is a thread of this kind of redemption, not only of humanity, but also of the world, that is from Genesis to Revelation. Mm. All kind of, it's one story all pointing in that direction. Uh, and a particular book that also points in that direction that you've done some work on is in uh, the prophet Joel. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, the minor prophet. Yep. So could you talk a little bit about what that journey was like for you and, yeah. uh, and what that looked like as you were doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've done 12 records, and so this was the 12th one and the most recent one. And it came out in 2019, which <clears throat> as I've revisited these songs, 
in light of what we've been through in the last two and a half years, it, it's sort of mind-blowing to me because I was writing about something. I was writing songs that were dwelling in the past. So the, the basic gist of Joel, for those of you who haven't read it, is it's 76 verses. And the whole first book and a half up to chapter 2, verse 12, are all about four plagues of locusts coming and just creating mass havoc and desolation. Uh, and then from verse 12, chapter 2, on to the end of the book is all about God's promises. So it's a very clear distinction. Um, and the process for me was a friend of mine um, who teaches at Vanderbilt Theology invited me to, he invited me and commissioned me to write 12 songs to accompany his book. And so um, the book uh, was called The Millennial Narrative, and it is all about what the book of Joel calls us to, which is community, to grieve and mourn, um, but not to do that alone. And then it's all about God's promises of what he will pour out, but then what he is calling us to in terms of the future and giving of ourselves out of, out of community, but, and also out of the losses that we've sustained. But the overall picture is that our losses are not what defines us. It's, um, it is God who defines our story and loss, hmm. The loss and the mourning, <clears throat> the, the words you said, the war, the weeping, all in Isaiah 65, are all part of the journey. But to look at the symphony that God's writing in the story and of our lives as uh, loss is just sort of one part of that, one part of the bigger symphony um, that he's writing, which was super helpful for me. And, and in thinking about the album was written in 2019, and we were writing songs about isolation and community and loss and mourning. And then COVID hit. And all of a sudden, these songs took on a totally different meaning of affecting me as I'm getting to present them to people and lead them in worship. Um, and it, it's sort of been a mind-blowing journey because we wrote the album. I wrote the album totally in community with other songwriters. Mm because I had just put an album out with similar topics and realized I didn't have enough words by myself <laughs> to, wow. to uh, write 12 more songs. So I invited different people, uh, songwriter friends of mine from around the country, and we wrote them sort of looking at the scripture and the book uh, that my friend wrote, but also kind of reflecting um, and not having any sense of the what will, what was coming. Um, and and to to sort of sit in these songs now is a, is a totally different experience, having walked through what we've walked through not only with COVID, but my family has been on a cancer journey since um, April of twenty one, and so I have had when we had no idea what was coming when when these songs were written. Wow, um, and I think one of the th Things in the book of Joel that is probably the hardest to wrap my head around, and sort of I'll throw it out in in the sense of the passage that we're studying in Isaiah, is that the Lord, it very, very clearly just states in the book of Joel that the Lord is at the head of the locust army. Mm. So the desolation that's coming, he is very, very aware of it, and he's actually the one on like he's leading the charge on the desolation, which is a pretty hard thing to wrap my head around wow. most days. But it it touches on the fact that 
those, these things come to us, the weeping, the war, the illness, the death, the loss, the mourning, but not without also the breath of air of what will come after these things, mm. which is uh, the Advent story. Um, you can't hold Advent without also holding Easter in the same hand and, and the coming of Christ again um, in the midst of his birth the first time, but also in the midst of his death. He will come again. Will, that's the important word. He will come again. Um, and restoration will come to this world that we live in. Breach. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, it's, it's it, the whole... The whole um, at the head of the locust army for me right now is a, is a pretty hard, it's a pretty hard thing. And I kind of have to hang on to, is it Psalm 42? I will yet praise him. We sing that song a lot in our congregation and, and the idea of we will yet, like we, in the midst of whatever we're in right now, we will praise him for the things that are coming, even though we don't know what they are, even though we don't know when they're coming, but we have to move our hearts to a place of praising him now in the midst of, the weeping, the war, the illness, the death. Because mm. the world, uh, his re- restoration and redemption are coming. He is coming. Yeah. Amen. Would you mind playing a song from the record? Oh, yeah. I'd be glad to. That would be uh, super fun. Yeah. This is um, the title track to the record, and it's called We Will Remember. And I think we've sang it at, at Creef Hall a handful of times. And in my translation of the Isaiah passage and also in in the NIV translation for Joel, um, the thing that I was constantly struck with was the will. Uh, You will know that I am the Lord your God. I will dwell in Zion. You will be restored. I will water the valley of Acacias. The hills will flow with milk. Judah will run with water. All of these promises, and that's what the song kind of speaks into. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. So, yeah, this is We Will Remember. Mountains will drip new wine In that day Your fountains will flow from high And the land will be restored And the generations will live their voice we are here to declare your goodness, mercy, and love. Your promise, you will not leave us, you will not let us go. We are here to retell the story of living hope. And glory, praise to the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the goodness of you, God. 
we will remember we will remember we will remember the goodness of you God we are here to declare your goodness mercy and love your promise you will not leave us you will not let us go we are here to retell the story of living hope and glory praise to the father the spirit and the son we will remember we will remember we will remember the goodness of you god we will remember we will remember we will remember the goodness of you god we will remember we will remember we will remember the goodness of you god beautiful thank you thank you there there are a couple of lines that really stick out i've i've listened to this record uh on spotify if you'd like to listen yourself Hmm. i had never noticed the the importance of that word right in the middle of we and remember like you just said yeah and the the we will remember being so uh, such an important word there. Yeah, because it, it points to it's hard to remember the goodness of God in the midst of the loss, but knowing that his restoration and new creation are coming, we sort of have to project ourselves sort of to that point mm. and say, oh, yeah, we will be able to look back and remember his goodness. Although we don't see it today, maybe, or that we don't feel like he's present with us we will remember just looking to that space of restoration and um, knowing that he's present now, but not always feeling it. And that's challenging. That's a challenging place to be in. Mm. Mm. And the other line that, that jumped out to me as you were just singing it, we're here to retell the story. Yeah. And that is, that is what Advent is trying to do. That's what the that season and then Easter after that, like you already mentioned, like our entire year is sort of built around these two realities that he did come yep. and he will come again yep. and he did die, but he did rise again. And the living in the tension of death and resurrection yep. all year yep, uh, and living in the, the rhythm of that is, and there's a purpose to that. And that purpose is we're retelling that great story that happened a long time ago and feels can feel very far away. Mm-hmm. We're retelling that to our hearts 
uh, even by doing things like lighting candles, showing up at church, singing songs that may be very familiar, but are, Lord willing, calling our hearts back to yeah. that reality that we could actually live it. And the, and the gift of not only to ourselves, but to the community that's around us. Mm. Like when I'd say one of some of the most powerful moments at our church have been when other people have shared their stories or when communion happens and I can stand there or sit in my chair after I've gotten communion or as I'm preparing to come up and watch someone be prayed for or just those moments where we let in what the book of Joel calls us to when we welcome other people into our loss and our mourning but also our remembering God's faithfulness it gives us the courage and the strength to do the same and and uh, and, and especially coming out of this season of COVID that where we didn't have the availability to be in community and present face-to-face with one another, it's even more important now as we're coming out of it to remember that we're remembering for ourselves, for our families, but also just for the community around us um, mm. uh, and speaking that truth and praising God in the midst of other people's storms as well as our own. Mm. And so... Really, what I hear you saying is that part of the way music connects you to this already not yet tension is that you are retelling the story, yeah, both to you personally as you are singing that or performing that for whoever, yeah, but that a large portion of of your love for performing sounds like it really does come from the the audience or the participants that are with you in remembering that together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not only just in, in sort of sharing my own songs and the story that I'm in the middle of with cancer, with my wife, or uh, journey with my son or my, you know, whatever my family, the things that I'm in, I love to be able to welcome folks into those and, and, and be raw and... Hmm share that in that context, but also the gift of um, that I mentioned before of having the opportunity to lead people in song, in congregational song. There is something so beautiful uh, about leading a group of people th- through you know, a service of worship uh, and and all of the elements, so many, so many thoughts go into Sunday morning and thinking through like where where are we entering and where do I want people to exit as I listen to the Spirit and what songs are going to help us move from that journey because it's not just like we're singing a bunch of songs and mm. and hope they all line up. There's totally. so much intentionality that mm-hmm. goes into it. Maybe people don't fully. Always fully grasped. Mm. Yeah, every Sunday a story is being told. Exactly. Like that story yeah. is being told Sunday after Sunday of life, death, yeah. resurrection. Yeah, and then the power of song in the midst of that, of being able to help center our hearts uh, and unify us through singing the same lyrics. And by doing that, we're all breathing at the same time. There's so many things that go into a Sunday morning. And one of the things that Yako, my friend who commissioned me to write this album, has taught me is the power of, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but the power of writing laments. And mm. we as a, as a Western culture do not grieve and lament very well. Mm. But one of the th- 
practices, or one of the things that happens in the practice of writing a lament, is you're always, you're crying out to God, just like the book of Psalms. You're crying out to God, but you're always returning to the Lord's faithfulness. Mm. And you're crying out to God, but you're always returning to the Lord's faithfulness. And the process of writing a lament, much like in the process of a worship service, is we're able to cry out, but we're never crying out without focusing and pointing towards the hope of mm-hmm. Jesus and the hope of his restoration and the hope of new creation. Because if we just hang out in that loss and lament part, we're going to go down real bad. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go downhill real fast. And the gift of music in the midst of that is to help lift us out uh, and focus towards, uh, like that song we have sang so many times, I will yet praise Him, my great Redeemer. Mm. I may not praise Him right now, but I know that I'm going to praise Him now actually for what He is going to do hmm. and His goodness and His faithfulness that I may not see right now, but I know that is I will see in future days. Yeah, yeah. I'm praising Him for what Isaiah 65 says is coming. Yes, absolutely. Even though I don't necessarily feel it right now. Absolutely. I will, I will, I will. Mm. That's what He keeps saying. I will deliver. I mm. will delight in you. I will promise this. It, yeah, the, the mountains will drip new wine. The fountain will flow from high. Mm. Yeah. Well, so... Again, those of you listening won't be able to see this, but we are gathered and huddled around these uh, these four <laughs> Advent candles, which all four of them are lit now uh, as we near uh, celebrating mm. Christmas together. But this fourth one that we lit is the love candle. Mm. Uh, and the idea behind that being that there is both there is both something about uh how we create that in the same way that God created out of love, that when we create, we are creating out of a love uh, for him and others. Yeah. But there's also something about that creation that also helps us to reflect on that love and more internalize it mm-hmm. ourselves. Uh, so my question to you kind of in closing is how does music and maybe even particularly this uh, project in Joel, how has that helped you to both receive the love of God, and give that love away? Um, that's a great question. I think uh, I, I'm, I'm a songwriter that doesn't usually write songs that I don't feel. <laughs> Everything that I write tends to be from an experience of my own mm. or experience of someone that I know or something that I've been privy to witness. And so every time I get to complete a song and then get to play it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, uh, there's a gift that kind of just keeps unfolding. And in ways that often I will sing songs that I want to sing because I need to hear them um, and receive the Lord's promise and and receive the Lord's love. Um, This this Joel album was really funny. A dear friend of mine in Creve Hall um, said when, when... um, my wife and I have, and son and I have been on this journey of cancer. He said, you know, you should go listen to your own music. Huh. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you should go listen to that Joel record. <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, that was a really good one. Yeah. I said, dude, that's funny. And then he asked me again like a week later and I was like, nope, haven't done it. Even though I'm singing the songs, yeah. although at that part I was not traveling, so I wasn't singing the songs. And I went back and I listened to it and I was like, dang it. These songs are songs that I wrote that in the moment moved me and I sort of had stepped away from them 
because I wasn't traveling, so I wasn't playing them. And I needed my friend in my community to say, hey, you need to go receive the Lord's love through the songs that you wrote. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I did, and I was, I, yeah, I was moved tremendously. And so when I get to play these songs, I'm not always like when you're playing a show or you're leading worship, there's so many other things that are going on in your brain. But mm. when you are, at least for me, when I'm in a space where I'm receiving actually what I'm singing and I'm letting it kind of be a prayer over myself, that most of the time I will uh, tear up, sometimes not be able to get through songs. There's a song called Do Not Be Afraid, which I actually wrote for Advent that focuses on uh, Mary's uh, willingness and acceptance in her belovedness and being the favored one mm. and accepting the news. And she says, if it's your will, then it's your will. Mm. And she just says, yes. And and being reminded of that and, and in these songs of the Lord's love and care for Mary, that he delights in me is beautiful. And then I get to also sing them, not only over myself, but get to sing them over the people that I get to be in front of. And it's a gift to be able to sh- sing truths and offer encouragement and challenge and and hopefully just like a lament, moving them from wherever the place they are or in a Sunday morning, wherever people walk in the door, however they are, the goal is to move them to a different place through mm. the Holy Spirit and just being a part of that process is just, it's, uh, it's humbling mm. and beautiful and, and feel a tremendous honor. Mm. Yeah, and I mean it's that it's that kind of thing that everybody experiences when they go to a concert. Yeah, yeah. That there is this this sense of commonality, and we've come together yep. and mutuality. And and the funny thing is, the Bible echoes that same sentiment and calls that like when we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, yeah. we're doing that to one another. Yep. And that one anothering, that singing can even be one anothering. Yep. In the same way that bearing one another's burdens. Yeah. Uh, or praying over one another, or whatever those things are, uh, that reality of singing connects us to each other. Yep. Which is just there, it, we don't normally think of it that no, way. No, there is this crazy. This is a little side tangent, but it's pr- it's fascinating to me. There's this this study done by um, a bunch of Swedish people, Swedish <laughs> scientists, and they said the most unifying thing after tragedy. The most unifying thing for a body of people is to sing together. No way. And yeah, and they did this study, and and the, the reason being, not only are you singing the same lyrics like we do on Sunday mornings, but I sort of hinted at it before. We're breathing at the same time. Wow. Because of the way that the music is written and comes out, so you're singing and you sing. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine, and then everybody takes a breath. No, I know. Isn't that bad? That's so they, crazy. They said that's the most uh, the most simple way to unify a body of people that are in the midst of tragedy is to sing together. Because then we all are slowing our breaths down uh-huh. and we're breathing in unity as the lyrics come out. Which it's, that's a think about Sunday morning that way. Come <laughs> on! Wow. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. That is insane. Mm. Christopher, thank you yeah. uh, for being here. This, I mean, serious. Thank you for having this me. This was a gift and I think will be a gift to our community uh, and hopefully give give us, when we show up next Sunday morning, like give us a, a new lens to be able to experience something that may feel very mundane, yeah. but is actually even in our breathing is changing yeah. our uh, our lens and our outlook and yeah. our hope. Amen. 
Man. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, we're praying that these stories of ordinary people in our congregation that have been and are living in the midst of both difficulty and beauty with gospel intentionality uh, might encourage you to do likewise. Living in the same way that these four candles uh, have called us to with hope and peace and joy and love because all sad things are coming untrue because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, so if you're curious and would like to connect uh, with us, uh, if this is new to you and uh, you'd like more information about Jesus or our community, you can go to midtownfellowship.org slash creve-hall. And with that, happy Advent, everybody.